I'll get your Bibles out if you would, please. Last week we started a series that we're calling Frequency, and I showed you this picture last week. It's an interesting picture because it shows all of the different electromagnetic waves that are around us, and I, I find it just kind of fascinating because for most of us, we're completely unaware that these even exist. They're even around us, but hey, think about that. There are all these different... There's different electromagnetic waves that just are in this room, and they're all everywhere we go. And and unless we tune into them, we really become, we're not aware of them at all. And that's what this, this little old-fashioned radio is for all you millennials and Generation Z. This is a radio, and, and this was a part of my grandfather's generation. And the, the great thing about radios is that when you tune them in, they they will look for the different radio waves that are already here in this room. And so as you dial it in, it'll find a station and you'll either hear music or you'll hear a voice of somebody who's, who's broadcasting that. And, and I think this is what we're talking about when we talk about this series because just as a radio host broadcasts his voice over the airwaves, God is broadcasting his voice all over the world. The only question is, are we tuned into the right frequency? In other words, have we put ourselves in a position to hear and to respond to the voice of God? Because He is speaking. He is declaring things. And are we tuning into what He has to say? Look at this in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. See, God wants to talk to you. God wants to give you counsel. He wants to give you advice. He wants to give you guidance. God wants to help you through the difficulties of your life and what you're going through. God wants to put you in the right place at the right time. And one of the chief characteristics of a son or daughter of God is that you hear and respond to the voice of God. And it's not like something that should just happen once in a blue moon, but it's something that should happen regularly. Each one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be listening and responding to the voice of God. And I think this is so imperative for every one of us. Because hearing the voice of God may be the difference between life and death for you. Hearing the voice of God may be the difference between flourishing and languishing. Hearing the voice of God may be the difference between um, open doors and closed doors that happen in your life. And hearing God's voice is definitely the difference between walking in the supernatural and walking just in the natural. Let me just say it again. You were created to walk in the supernatural. And when we walk in the supernatural, that's when life really gets to be exciting. That's when things happen. That's when things change because we're in line with, we're in step with what God is doing in our generation. So last week we talked about that I'm a sheep. Smell your neighbor and see if they still smell like a sheep. This morning we're going to talk about I'm a friend. Because what I want to do here is I want to, before we start diving into how to hear the voice of God, we're going to spend several weeks talking about just how to hear, because I think so many of us, this frustrates us. How do we hear the voice of God? How does that practically and tangibly look? But before we can talk about the how, I think it's really important to look at the why. Why you can hear the voice of God. Why you can. Not just why I can or why the person beside you can, but why you can actually hear the voice of God and why you even want to hear God's voice. Look at this in John chapter 15, verse 15. It says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you, what's the word? Friends. I've called you friends, for 
things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. See, Jesus calls us his friends. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe, you put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, then you're a friend of God. That word friend in the original Greek language is the word philos. And philos has kind of an interesting meaning. It means this. It means someone dearly loved or prized in a personal, intimate way. A trusted confidant. Held dear in a close bond a personal affection. One of the bridegroom's friends who on his behalf asked the hand of the bride and rendered him various services in closing the marriage and celebrating the nuptials. Isn't that interesting? This is, what, this is how Jesus calls us. This is how he sees us. That he wants to have this type of relationship with every one of us. But I think for so many of us, we tend to interact with God more like a stranger coming in some sort of contact with, with some famous actor. We may have this awe for God, but it's more like this awe that you might have for a famous actor that you just happen to run into. How many of you have ever run into somebody famous? Anybody? Run into somebody famous? When I was in college on Christmas break, I, I took a flight from Denver, Colorado to New York City, and I got bumped up to first, into, second, into business class. And uh, all of a sudden, there was this stir that was going on in the cabin, the business cabin, because in walked the act, actor Edward um, Herman. Many of you may recognize him by the different movies that he was in, and he died a few years ago. But it was so funny watching people's reactions because they were clamoring for his attention. And people were trying to get his autograph. Well, it just happens that he sat, his seat was right next to mine. And so I sat by him the whole trip from Denver to New York City. But, you know, here I'm a 20-something-year-old, and I was just trying to play it cool. You know? I, didn't, I thought everybody else looked pretty foolish in trying to do all the things that they were trying to do. So I just kind of pretend like I didn't really know who he was and wasn't enamored by this, this actor that was sitting beside me. Although I do have to say that I, I just happened to take his boarding pass that he left in his seat. <laughs> But when I was 12, I didn't act so calm, cool, and collected, because when I was 12 years old, I met Miss America 1980, Cheryl Pruitt. I was 12 years old. She was doing some sort of speaking engagement, and, and I was in, in that audience, and she was illustrating something. I don't even remember what she was illustrating, but I got chosen to come up on stage to illustrate this point. And after she illustrated this point, she gave me a kiss on my cheek and left this lipstick kiss right there on my cheek. How many know that I did not wash my face for several weeks? And I went around and told everybody that I know Miss America Cheryl Pruitt. The newspaper even took a picture of me. I was in the newspaper, you know, it was like, it was like, it was like 15 minutes of fame, all those types of things. But don't you think about this, because did I really know Edward Herman or Cheryl Pruitt? Did I actually have, did, 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 did I actually know, did I actually have a relationship with either of these two people? I, I didn't have that sort of thing, and I think that's how a lot of times we are with God. That that's the kind of association that we tend to have with God. We say we know God. We say we have this relationship with God. After all, I talk about God, and I even come to church like this on Sunday where other people are talking about And I even have the book that he wrote, and I crack it open every once in a while. I think this is 
the type of relationship that so many of us tend to have. It's more of this awe, like a stranger would have running into some sort of famous person. But I want you to think about this, because what type of friend would you rather have when you're sick and in the hospital? Would you rather have this so-called friend who drops off the book that he has written with a note that says, please read this while you're in the hospital? Is that the type of friend that you would have? Or would you rather have a friend who would sit beside you day in and day out while you're in the hospital? I think for most of us, that's, 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 that's the latter of the friends that we would want because it's, it's that closeness, it's that action. It's, it's like, this is so impersonal, just give me the book that you have written. In it's, a, it's a great read, but I'm sick and in the hospital, and I want flesh and blood right beside me as I'm going through this. Well, I want you to know that this is the type of relationship that God wants to have with you and with me. Yes. And so I want to give you a couple things here about God speaking to us. I think it maybe settle some things for you. Because number one, God doesn't speak mechanically. God doesn't speak mechanically. I want you to think about this because mechanically means that if I want my car to go forward, then I need to put my gear into forward and I need to be able to press the gas on my car in order for it to go forward. And when I do that, then my car responds to that. Or if I want to see words on my computer screen, then I need to press the keys on my keyboard. Every time I do those things, I'm communicating mechanically. In other words, I'm doing something specific in order to get a specific response. So many of us, I think that's how we think that that is what God is doing, and that's how we see God. We see God as one who's trying to control our lives. Someone is trying to force us to do the things that he wants us to do. But it's really important for you to understand that God doesn't communicate to us mechanically. That's not how he communicates. God's not just inputting data into your life in order to get a desired result. That's not what he's doing, folks. Let me say it again. God's not just inputting data into your life to get some sort of desired result that he has in his head. That's not how he interacts with us. God doesn't see you as a machine. God doesn't see you as a robot. He's not trying to communicate the way we would to a machine. He's not trying to communicate the way we would to a robot. He sees you as a friend. And this is the way that he communicates with us. This is the type of relationship he wants to have with us. Unfortunately, for so many of us, we tend to only engage God when we need something from Him. For so many of us, that's how we our relationship with God begins to it gets reduced to when I need something, then I'll go to if I need direction, I'll go then to God. And I say, unfortunately, because I do believe God wants to give us what we need. I do believe that God wants to give us direction, but I also believe God wants to interact with us. That He wants to be a part of your day in and day out conversations and things that you're going through, he wants to be our friend. And this is one of the most amazing facts that you'll read as you read through your Bible, that God actually wants to be your friend, this close confidant. Exodus 33 verse 11 says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. James 2.23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him, for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He wants to be your friend. He doesn't speak to us mechanically, which brings me to point number two. God speaks personally. God speaks personally. And here's the amazing thing. God's given us this incredible record 
of him speaking personally to men and women since the beginning of time. Think about it. From Adam and Eve to Abraham to Jacob and Ezekiel and Daniel and Amos and Obadiah and Hosea and Nehemiah and Ezra and all sorts of other people in the Old Testament, all the way through to the New Testament with the disciples and the Apostle Paul and Cornelius and, and Pilate's wife and so many others in the New Testament. He gives us a record of him speaking personally to all these men and women throughout history. And one of the amazing things that you'll see when you read your Bible is the links that God would go to in order to speak personally with men and women. It's one of the amazing things when you actually read your Bible. The links, if, you're, if you've been reading, um, as we're going through the Bible, um, reading your one-year program as you're reading through the Bible, the Read Scripture app. If you're going through this, you've just come through Leviticus and you're out in Numbers and God teaching people all these things, all these rituals and rites, these crazy things, just so that God could now interact with them. It had nothing to do with mankind. It had everything so that God could interact with men and women there. It's an amazing thing that this is how much God loves us and how he wants to be with us, which is why Jesus was so incredibly excited for the Holy Spirit to come so that we could be inhabited by the very presence of God so that God could speak personally to us. Look at this in John 16, verse 12. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will, what's the word? He will speak. He will tell you things to come. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the presence of God. This is God coming in our lives where we hear him speak to us the things that are still to come. Things that are still to come in your own life. Things that you don't know about. The Holy Spirit is there to speak personally to you. This is what God wants to do. He wants to be have this type of relationship with you. Which then brings me to point number three. And that is God speaks to friends. God speaks to his friends. Psalms 25 verse 14 says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. The NIV says it this way. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. See, God wants to create this friendship with you that is so close that he actually confides in you. I don't know how that strikes you here this morning, but think about it. God wants to confide in you. He wants to bring you in on what's going on. He wants to bring you in on the things that you don't know. He wants to bring you in on the things that he's doing in our generation. This is what he wants to do. That's the closeness of the relationship that God wants to have with you. And look at the links that God will go to for his friends. John 15, verse 13. Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. This is how much God loves his friends. This is how much God loves you so that Jesus came to lay down his life for you so that you can now interact with God. So now it's easy. We don't have to go through all these rituals and rites that the people did in the Old Testament so that God could encounter them. Jesus set it straight. Jesus made the way for that. Jesus made a way for us to have this type of relationship with us. And here's the incredible thing. God could have created us as robots. 
He could have. He could have created us as machines that all he needed to do is input something into your life and you'd be able to respond a certain way. He could have created us this way, but he didn't. He created us with the ability to choose or to not to choose him. That's how he created you. He's given you this will, and that's how much he loves you. He wants you to choose him. He's not going to force himself on you. He's given you that, that ability. And one of the crazy thing is, is that from the beginning of time, people continue to not to choose him. Look at this in Genesis chapter 3. This is the, the end part of when Adam and Eve make this stupid choice of instead of choosing God, they choose themselves, in essence. In Genesis chapter 3, look at God's response to this. It says, And they, that's Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called it Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Now I want you to notice a couple things here. I want you to notice that God walked in the coolness of the day with Adam and Eve. He was literally there, right, right there in the midst of what they were doing. God literally walked with them, and not only that, he talked with them. And notice, even when they messed up, even when they chose themselves and chose to be disobedient to what he had told them to do, God still came to them. When they were trying to hide, God still came to them. I, I wrote in my Facebook page here this morning that this reminds me of my grandpa's, um, on my, my dad's side, his favorite hymn was the old song, In the Garden. Any of you old enough to remember that old hymn? The words... To the song goes like this, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses, and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever this was the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. This is what they experienced just personally. God walking and talking with them in the coolness of the day there in the garden. This is what they had. But they chose themselves instead of God. They chose what they wanted instead of what God said. And they messed up this amazing friendship with God that God had created right from the beginning. But the amazing thing is, from this point, and this is just Genesis chapter 3, right at the beginning of your story. From that point, from Genesis chapter 3, God begins to put together this rescue plan to restore us in a way so that we could again have this incredible relationship with God where we would again be able to walk and talk with God in the coolness of the day. God put that plan right there in place, right there in Genesis chapter 3. And the rest of your Bible, the Bible for you is hard to understand. You need to know that, that what happened from that point is this amazing rescue plan that God puts into motion in order that we can now have that relationship restored. And this, folks, is what Jesus is all about. Jesus came to lay down his life so that we can have that friendship with him, so that you can have this friendship with God. This is why you can hear God's voice. And this is why it's even important for us to hear God's voice, because God speaks to his friends. 
God speaks to his friends, and God wants to be your friend, so much so that he made a way for you to be his friends. It's an, incre an incredible thing what God has put together. I don't know how it works for you, but I've been walking with the Lord now for 41 years. I gave my life early when I was just a youngster, so I've been walking with the Lord now for 41 years, and I'm incredibly thankful for all that God has done in my life. Are you thankful for what God has done in your life? You know, as much as I'm grateful for what God has done in my life, the thing that amazes me still, and the things that have changed my life, are the things that He's spoken to me over these last 41 years. I love all the things that He's done. But the things that he's spoken to me are the things that have changed my life, radically changed my life. In 1991, I was living in Germany right out of college, a single guy. And, you know, I lived right outside of Nuremberg, and I was um, on a staff at a church there right outside of Nuremberg. And it was during this time that I began to learn how to hear God's voice. Up to that point, I knew a lot about God. I came from a great Christian family that taught me, and, and I saw it modeled. But for me, I, I, I still struggled. How do you hear God's voice? And it was during those years that I was over there in, in Germany that God began to teach me really how to hear His voice. Because one of my biggest hang-ups was that I had this image of God that He was sitting in heaven with this big club, just ready to whack me one when I would mess up. That was kind of how I viewed God. And, and so because of that, I, was, I had this reticence. I had this, this, there was a distance between me and God, not because of him, but because of me. I was afraid to be whacked up against the side of the house. I was always afraid that he would spew out lightning some way, somehow, and, 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 and to try to teach me some sort of lesson. And so as a result, I kind of kept my distance away from God. But it was during this time, little by little, God began to change this false image that I had of God, and I began to write down the things that God was showing me. I began to write down the things that I thought He was speaking to me. And I want to share one of those from, from that season of time back in 1991, if you, if you would permit me to, just to kind of show you what God began to speak to me. This is what I wrote in my journal. I wrote, God's love for us is so great. I'm continually experiencing more and more of His love, and I'm continually amazed by it. The past couple of days, I've been able to go for a walk in the mornings for one and a half to two hours. The weather has been perfect for it, and it's been so refreshing. But the best part is that I've been able to have more quality and quantity time with the Lord. Today, on my way back from my walk, I stopped by this little stream and quieted myself to see if God wanted to say anything to me. And he did. I was kind of expecting him to give me some sort of rebuke or tongue lashing, but instead, he just poured out his love to me. And there at that little stream, God began to speak to me like a father would to his son. He said, Russ, be careful, for this world wants you. Look at this river. See how the sun sparkles on the river like diamonds. So the world sparkles to grab your attention. But move to a different position. Now, look at the river. See no sparkle. Only deep, dark, dirty water. So it is with the world. The sparkle is only a facade to grab your attention and your affections, but underneath is only evil and darkness. Be careful, Russ, and keep your eyes on me. For when your eyes are on me, the sparkle will not grab your attention. But as soon as you take your eyes off of me, the sparkle of this world will grab your attention and your affections and will lead you into sin. Be careful, Russ, keep your eyes on me. 
The next guy went by the same river, and God picked up on the conversation from the day before, and he said, Russ, even though the world will continue to sparkle, throwing forth a facade of beauty and pleasure, it will soon not be appealing to you. It's hard for me to express in words what they didn't tell me. Remember, I had this, I had this picture of God up in heaven with this club. And already just uh, stopped me every time I made a mistake. And we're all aware of our mistakes, aren't we? Yeah. We know it. And I was just, I was always prepared for that to be God doing, doing that to me. And so when he spoke this, it's hard for me to express in words the perspective of how it changed inside of me. Because it changed my perspective of me. It changed my perspective of the world. And it changed my perspective of God. There's an interesting verse, Isaiah 43, verse 25. And it says that God blotted out our sins for his own sake. God blotted out our sins for his own sake. I want to I read it this way. God blotted out our sins for our sake. I think that's how most of us would read that verse, see it, and that's how we think. God blots out my sins for my, my sake. But Isaiah 43, 25 says, God blots out our sins for his sake. <coughs> think about that. This is how much God longs for you. This is how much God desires to have this friendship and this relationship because he wants it. He wants it more than you want it. So much so that he's the one that will blot out your sins. For his sake. It's an incredible thing. And I don't know how that works with you here this morning, but I tell you, when you hear God's voice, it radically shifts your life. It changes your life. It changes just the makeup of what's going on. That's what God's voice does. And this is why it's so imperative for us to hear God's voice. And the reason why you can is because God wants to be your friend. You're a friend of God. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then he sees you as a friend. And he wants to confide in you. He wants to speak into those dark places of your life that are messed up. We have the wrong of thinking. He wants to speak into those. He wants to give you direction. He wants to give you things that you don't even you couldn't even have thought of by yourself. This is, this is who he is, folks. And this is how much he loves you. And this is how desperate he is for you. Don't just close your eyes, if you would, please. Because I, I always have, I have to apologize for, for me getting emotional. But it's one of the things that I learned several years ago is that leading up to when I was in Germany, um, my heart was really hard. It was really cold. And I couldn't remember the last time I cried. And God did such an amazing work in my life where He changed my heart. And ever since, every time I feel the presence of God. Every time I sense His presence, this is what happens. 
And I wish I could talk better. I had one of those cries where the tears would flow, but my voice wouldn't change. I wish I didn't have an ugly cry for you. Um, but as much as I don't like it, I'm incredibly thankful every time because this is what God did in my heart. This is how He changed me from the inside out. And I can feel His longing for you. I can feel His desperate call on you. to experience 
this type of relationship where you talk to me and where you confide in me. I want to be a part of this adventure that you have for my life. So today, I commit my life to you. I say yes to you. I choose you above all other things. And I turn over the steering wheel of my life to you. God, you said that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. So I'm calling on you today, right here, right now. And I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins, to take my place. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. And so now I'm asking that you would raise me up, that you would fill me up with your spirit, that you would give me eyes to not just see, but to perceive your reality, that you would give me ears to not just hear, but to understand what you're doing. Father, thank you for taking over my life and involving me in your reality. 